It's important that we understand the enemy's devices. Amen. We don't want to be ignorant of what he's capable of. I don't want to glorify the devil. That's not why we have church. But uh, the devil is very good at what he does. Is he not? And he's had a long time. Everybody say long time. He has had a long time to understand people. He probably understands people better than we do. (laughs) And his first plan, his first plan was to box up humanity, to not allow them the freedom to make the choice to follow God. And he boxed up humanity in a life of sin. You know, every, uh, every creature has a nature. Everybody, everybody say nature. Every creature has a nature. It's what they innately are. It is their identity. Cats, I don't know how, I'm not going to stand up here and define nature. <laughs> but cats have a cat nature. You know what it is, do you not? Dogs have a dog nature. Birds have a bird nature. Squirrels. You know, squirrels have a squirrely nature, you know. Let's see. Everything has a nature. Everybody say nature. And see, when we were created, we were created in the image of God. It doesn't mean we were God, but we had a nature like him. And so the enemy's plan was, well, I have to make them think that they're not enough. You know the Old Testament, you read Genesis, you know. He made him feel inferior. Anybody ever felt inferior? Made him feel not worthy. And so he boxed them up and tried to convince them with a lie that they weren't good enough the way God made them. They could be something greater than what God made them. Made them something lesser than what God made them. So he boxed them up in sin and there was no choice. Their nature became like his. And Jesus said to the, even the elect Jews, the most religious, astute people on the planet, knew God's law backwards and forwards. You know what he said to them? You are of your father, the devil. <laughs> and he wasn't being mean. He was being truthful. Because what they failed to recognize was their own state of existence. And they believed just by knowledge they could change their nature. I may know a lot about cats, but I'll never be a cat. (laughs) I may know a lot about dogs, but I'll never be a dog. I can try as hard as I want, but you cannot change who you are. Everybody say amen. (laughs) There is one that gave you the ability to change identity. (laughs) And his name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ provided an identity for those that were absent of an identity. We identified with sin and we produced sin. Our nature was sin. Our nature was corrupt. Our nature was to steal. Our nature was to kill. Nobody has to teach those things. They are inherent. Now, granted, other death natures teaching other death natures, they'll you know, provide fuel to the fire. But I have never, and I've said this many times, I've never taught my children to lie, yet they have figured it out. I have never taught my children to fight, but they have figured it out. We all must be born again. 
We all must be born again. And the day that you bow the knee and say, I recognize that the nature that's in me is sin. I need a new nature. The most incredible miracle that could ever take place is the day you get born again. Better than raising somebody from the dead in a casket. Now, praise God for raising somebody from the dead in a casket, casket because hopefully the people around them will see that and say, there is a God, I need Jesus. And they get born again. But more powerful than physical resurrection is spiritual resurrection. And everybody needs to be resurrected at least once spiritually. Because the day you get born again, that identity of sin, that identity of unrighteousness, that identity of failure, that identity that you received from the devil himself, and that's Jesus, not me. That is Jesus. He said that. And he said it. He would pick. <laughs> he would pick the most esteemed, the most religious, the most knowledgeable people to say you're of your father, the devil. And he says, unless he said this to the people, he says, your, unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Why was he saying things like that? Because it's not about knowing. It's not about doing. It's about being made who he made you. It's about bowing the knee and changing identity. And if there's one identity you need to change, it's getting out of sin, out of Adam, out of the world, out of death, because those are all dead ends. It's not about religion. It's about life or death. And you get out of all of those things and you take a step over here and say, I humble myself. I bow the knee and I say, I recognize I am these things and I cannot change it. And the law and thousands of years of history are meant as proof to show that mankind cannot of his own will change his nature. But the day you get born again, you are made. Everybody say made. You are made the righteousness of God by Jesus Christ. You are a new creature. Old things are passed away. New things have come. And on the inside, life is how you are defined. Love is how you are defined. Joy is how you are defined. Peace is how you are defined. Faith, everybody say faith. That is the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit of what? The Spirit of Christ in you. Christ in you. And when you get born again, those things are who you are. And it is meant from the inside out that life. It transforms everything that it comes in contact with that is not in agreement with that life. And from the inside out, it's pushing, it's knocking, it's kicking down doors, it's opening up the, the rooms that you don't want opened. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to blow out the cobwebs of things that you, I'd rather not talk about that. Well, too bad, we're changing things here. <laughs> that's the life that's on the inside of you. And that life is righteous, it's joy, it's peace, it's everything that the sin nature is not. And the day you get born again, it wants to clean house. And the best thing you can do is let it clean the house. Don't fight it. Let it clean the house. <clears throat> and see where we, where we stumble in following God. See, because even though you are born again, there's two powerful things working in your life. One of them is the new nature if you're born again. The other one is your choice. Everybody say choice. 
Because just because you get born again doesn't mean you don't have a free will. <coughs> I said this, I think it's been a couple months, but I'm going to say it again. I remember I was praying here, and the Holy Ghost was telling me, <laughs> and I thought I did know quite a bit. He says, but you, he says, you really don't know a whole lot about being born again yet. <laughs> I said, excuse me? <laughs> I didn't say that, but that's where my mind clicked, you know. What? No, that can't be the Holy Ghost. And then he told me something I'd never heard before. And when he told it to me, I've never been able to let go of it. And he said, <coughs> and he started by asking me some questions. So I'm just going to ask you these questions because this is where he's going. <laughs> so he asked me this question. And he used, at the moment, he, asked, he used a lion, okay? So you know the, a lion? You ever seen him on the Nature Channel, right? A lion. He asked me, he says, does a lion have a free will? You know, questions are powerful things. God will ask you questions to probe you for the answer. Because sometimes if you ever find, if you, if, if you give somebody the truth, even though it's the truth, and you tell them, hey, you're doing this wrong, sometimes they don't receive it. <laughs> so he asks questions. God asks, he's a very smart guy, God is. So he asked a question. He asked me a question. He said, does a lion have a free will? And I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. I, I really wasn't sure. <laughs> but I started to think, and I said, no, he doesn't. No, he does not. He says, why? Because he is a slave to his nature. He is a slave to his nature. In other words, the will of a lion, they can't see past who they have been created to be. A lion innately, it's, their, it's like their nature is hardwired to their brain. that You can't override it. It's, it's hardwired. <laughs> There's no overriding that nature. You see a little kitten, you give them a, <laughs> you give them a ball of yarn, they're all just going to go after it and grab it, you know, like they do. And every creature is like that. It's hardwired into who they are. They cannot override it. But you have a free and I, didn't, I never understood that. He says, you've got a free will. And the ramification of that being is even though I have made you in my image, I don't constrain your will to your nature. I don't make you obey me, and I don't put something inside of you that takes your choice away. That makes sense to everybody? Made sense to me when I heard it too, and I'd never heard it before. He says, what makes you different than most of the creatures, besides the fact that you're eternal, is that your will is not below your nature. Your will is freed, so you can make choices. There's something about choices that God really respects. He really respects your choices. And see, where we, this is where I got down this path, where we stumble in our walk with God, because you have, you have all of the necessary equipment if you've been born again, You've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. But there is no force on earth that will subdue your will except you. Everybody say me. Boy, it's quiet in here. <laughs> There's no force on earth. Oh, God, you know, <laughs> well, I don't know why I'm doing this. I've heard prayers, and these are, you know, growing up, you go to college, and it's a Christian college, and all that you care about at school is relationships, you know. 
Oh, I wonder if he likes me. Oh, I wonder if she likes me. And, uh, <coughs> you know, you kind of grow up out of that. And I was lucky enough to, uh, no, luck is the wrong word. That's the wrong word. I was, I, I believe if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. All right. So you get the cart and the horse in the right order. Don't let relationships lead you. You follow God and God will lead you into relationships. And that goes not just for your spouse, but that goes for friendships as well. Because there are friendships that may be in your life that are absolutely 100% detrimental to the will of God in your life. And you trust God and let him lead you into the friends you're supposed to have. Because not everybody is your friend. And not everybody needs to be have your time or have your ear. You let him decide that. <coughs> but one of the things you'd run into, and, and I, I remember talking to kids and says, well, I've prayed that, you know, if this person, you know, I really like them, but if God doesn't want me to be with that person, I've prayed that God would just take all of those emotions away. <laughs> and it doesn't work that way. It don't work that way. See, the Proverbs says, keep your heart with all diligence, because out of it are the issues of life. And you, if you give of your own free will your heart over to somebody, well, it doesn't matter if they're Christian. It doesn't matter if they agree with you. It doesn't matter any of those things. If you guess what? If you spend a lot of time with somebody and you have a mild attraction to them, you're just growing it. So you better submit it to the Lord early, not when it's full bloom, okay? <laughs> not when it's grown to this massive thing in your heart and your mind, and then you ask God, now, if this isn't you, just churn all of my emotions off. Okay. Has he, I don't know that he has ever done that for anybody. And the, real, the reality is that if he were to come and tell you this is not the person for you, you would call it a devil probably. So you have your own challenges you create when you do stuff like that. Surrender to the will of God early, and it'll be a whole lot easier than later. Amen. And see, when you surrender to the will of God, that's a choice. When you allow that nature free reign in your life, that's a choice. And there's something about you as a creation, you, us as a creation, we have a free will. And we can either make our will, how do I put that? Our will has the freedom to choose where we sow. If you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap life. If you sow to the flesh, don't be, God's not mocked. He's not going to take, he's not just going to take your crop away. You sowed it. You made your willful choices to sow to those things, and you reap the crop. He's not mocked. You can't, you can't plant one thing and then expect something else to grow and say, why didn't this work? Well, do you know what you were planting at the time? It's the little foxes. Everybody say Little. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And more and more, the Holy Ghost is nitpicking with my personal life. Really fine stuff. And I keep thinking, where's the big stuff? Oh, it's after the little stuff, the really little stuff. And we don't get that. You know, well, I want to do this big thing for you. Well, okay. <laughs> you're, you're, how do, I remember working, um, I really liked art growing up, and uh, I took pottery, and these me these files are really old up here, so <laughs> if I get some of the details wrong, I'm sorry. But I can remember going to pottery class, 
And I remember them teaching us, you have to work the clay. You have to rub it. Okay, I'm not going to get this all right. If, you, if you're really pottery smarty, then just, you know, don't, don't criticize me. <laughs> but but <laughs> if, you <laughs> if you rub that, you have to work the clay before you put it in the kiln. Okay, you have to rub it. I remember that, but he says, it, you have to make sure every single air bubble is out. Every single one. Why? Because if you leave the smallest, tiniest, oh, I got 95% of them out, your pot's going to crack. It doesn't work. You have to work them out. Well, they're real tiny. I did a pretty good job. Pretty good won't hold up when you put it in the kiln. You have to work those bubbles out. And I can remember we had to work the clay, work the clay, work the clay. Because if you let an air bubble sit in that clay and then you put it in the kiln, what you made will crack. And God doesn't want to take you out and put you on display and then have you crack. He doesn't want it for you. First of all, that's the most important thing. And he doesn't want it for everybody that you're trying to witness to. And I don't believe God does that as a policy, personally. I think men exalt themselves before God exalts them. And then all of their faults get put under pressure and you see them crack. I don't believe God exalts some of these ministries that crack. I believe they're self-exalted. Or God did exalt them and they let their walk slide over time because choices are choices. And this is where some of these areas in our walk with God where we stumble is because you have all that equipment, but you can still, by your choice, close up rooms and say, we're not messing with this. I'm keeping this room. This is my personal room. Holy Ghost, we're not going to do a review of that. <laughs> you ever been at a job where they gave you, like, an annual review? You know, let's review your... Could you imagine going to your boss and saying, well, I would like you to review um, this part of my job, but I would rather you not review this. Okay, because I, I see you as boss over these four hours of the day, but these two hours of the day are kind of my private time that I get to work, but we're paying for you. <laughs> you know, any, would that be ridiculous? So we like to say, well, Jesus is Lord. Everybody say that, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> no, see, I'm tricking you, though. Jesus is Lord. Well, is he, though? How much? And I see it as this big house. This is your life. It's a big house. Jesus, come into my house. I, I make you Lord over my life. I make you Lord over this house. Oh, thank you. Let's clean it up. Oh, okay. Well, we're pretty good here, but you can take a look. <laughs> well, your living room looks okay. It's anything like my house. <laughs> Dining room looks okay. Well, let's go up to the bedroom. Well, the bedroom, you know, it's okay. It's We just got a little bit. Well, we'll just, just, just chill. We'll go take a look. <laughs> Now let's go to that garage. Oh, no, please, please don't go to the garage. <laughs> let's see. And there are rooms. Uh, let, let me be more specific. There's um, habits, life, things. Life is a busy, messy, complex place, you know, and, and family, parenting, uh, work, money, Time, hobbies, you can be as busy or as bored as you want. And when you say Jesus is Lord, you can say that like Peter said, I'll die for you. 
Yeah. And did he mean it? I believe he meant he thought he meant it. <laughs> I believe he thought he meant it. But when the rubber met the road, we're running. <coughs> and there are rooms in our lives that God wants to adjust and fix, purify, purge out the dross, however you whatever kind of analogy you want to use. But there are those tiny places. Everybody say tiny places. There are tiny places. They're just the little bubbles you think aren't important. He says, no, these are very important. And the tiniest little things I wouldn't have guessed at. He's saying, look, we got to deal with this. But this isn't a big sin. No, it's not a big sin. It's a little bubble. It's a little bubble that's going to blow up. <coughs> Everybody in First Peter? <laughs> Gave you plenty of time. First Peter five. We'll start in verse five. Kind of cuts off the thought from the beginning, but it's okay. First Peter five, verse five. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with Humility, for God resisteth the proud. Everybody say resists. He resists pride. Well, I'm a, I'm a his child. He resists your pride. But he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. See, due time is the right time. It's not too early. And it's not too late. It's, it's his time. See. Look at this. Casting all. Everybody say all. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. I'm just, I have to dwell on that sobriety thing. That's not just talking about alcohol. Okay? Be sober. What is, what's drunkenness look like? Well, there's more than one way to be drunk. Now, I don't want to get too metaphysical on you, but you can be drunk on TV. You can be drunk, uh, you can be drunk with distraction. You can be drunk with work. You can be drunk with good things. Everybody say good things. You can be so taken with yourself and the good things and workaholic type personalities. You can be so drunk that you're not surrendering to God's will. Let's be clear. If we're going to be his disciples and he is Lord you don't own anything. And one of the exercises, I always try and keep it in my heart, and I'll find, because I'll let my heart grow to ownership and things that I don't own. And one of the areas is, you know, like this ministry, this church, it's not mine, it's his. And I cannot allow my soul to get to the place where, you know, he can't tell me, do this. I can't get to the place... This is just the check, okay? This is just the check that I give myself. If he told me, 
if he told me, it's time to close up shop and do something else for what I'm, what I'm asking you to do. If he told me that, would you be willing to do it? Now, he asked me the same question when I got married to Natalie. He says, if I told you to cut it off and you were not going to marry her, could you do that? Because if you're making him Lord, if you make that choice, he's Lord, you give up the right to decide those things. You're his disciple. Everybody say, be sober. That's sobriety in every sense. Be vigilant. Well, because your adversary, the devil, now he's not a lion. He doesn't have any teeth, but as a roaring lion. See, now in the Old Testament, he had teeth. In the Old Testament, he had power. What were the teeth he had? He had every single person on the planet made in his image. But he's not a lion anymore. He goes about as one. He has to fake it. He has to get you to believe that he still is one. He has to get you to believe that you're not who God says you are. He, can't, he cannot take a Christian. <laughs> How do I put that? The, the door is open. The cat's out of the bag. Jesus has set you free. He can't put the cat in the bag. All he can do is convince you that you're not free. Amen? He goes about as a roaring lion, seeking, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, how does he devour you? Look at verse 7, back up. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. See, what is care? <clears throat> care is not allowing him to be Lord. Care is you taking the reins back. And if you worry and care and stress and fret, the enemy has an open door into your life to be able to say, you know, he just comes and roars and you're petrified. I like to think of it this way. <clears throat> The devil cannot touch that inside part of you because you're born again. Anybody of you uh, work with computers? Okay. I love computers. Now, the moment you connect a computer to the Internet or to some kind of outside source, it could be a mouse. You know, you got your mouse. You connect it to the Internet or maybe you put a camera on it. Those are like senses. All right? See your hands. See your eyes, your ears. Those are your senses. Well, see, for a computer, it's the mouse. It takes the input from there. The Internet. You know, the computer can download programs from the Internet, or somebody can, I like to get on mom's computer, remote control it, and talk to her sometimes. <laughs> I don't do that anymore, but I used to do that, didn't I, mom? <laughs> from the outside in, you know. <coughs> but if you don't allow any of those external inputs, that computer is solid. However it was made, it was solid. It's meant to work. And see, Jesus put his life on the inside of you. It, it, it's supposed to work. It's love, it's joy, it's peace. But you also got all of these inputs. You got this input, you got this input, you got this input. You, all of these things receive and process information. And when I, when I was working with my computer a couple years ago, 
there were some programs that we downloaded that I thought were good, but I didn't do due diligence to check and make sure that everything in those files was okay. And sometimes they masquerade as good things, and they're not. You know, and if, if you're not real adept or you're not real discerning, everybody lift their Bible up. <laughs> if you're not real discerning, not just your Bible, pr praying in other tongues, praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit inoculates you against deception as well. You have that unction in you that teaches you, John said. It's the Holy Ghost. See, those things working in you keep deception at bay. Well, if you're not real diligent with your computer, they have these screens that pop up now and says, Windows needs an update. You know, flashes, <laughs> Windows needs an update. And the Windows logo doesn't look quite look right. <laughs> Maybe it's from the late 90s. <laughs> Windows needs an update. Okay. <laughs> you just got had. Somebody put a virus on a computer saying you had a virus and needed an update. And they propose like it's a solution. And the devil does the same thing. He, ha he offers false answers. He offers red air herrings. Okay. He offers opportunities. And that's why I don't believe in open door theology like a lot of people preach it. Because open door theology says, well, if the opportunity is there, God opened the door for me. Maybe not. Maybe you need to discern. Maybe you need to surrender. Maybe you need to pray. Well, I got an opportunity for a job that pays me 100 grand a year. Well, where is it at? Well, it's in Timbuktu. What, you know, what does God think about that? Is that, is that the right move for you? Does it, you know, is there some church there that you're going to be part of? Or, what, you know, I don't know. Well, I guess God's not Lord of that area of your life then. I mean, just let's just be honest. See? And he's going to nitpick at those little things. So he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And the way he does that is through these external inputs. What you see and what you hear to create a roar in your life that the devil is alive and well and he's going to steal your lunch. He's going to claim your life. I'm going to bring a set of circumstances so big, they're going to be convinced that I got more power than God does. And that's how he roars at you. He really has no hold. He just roars. And you enforce the defeat, and you cast the care, and this be sober. I'll be vigilant. All that vigilance is, you bet, look out for those enemies' devices. Be in prayer. Be spending time in the word. If you don't spend time in the word, nobody's going to be able to detect those spiritual viruses for you. Amen? It's not enough to depend on a preacher. Now, you should have a preacher, but it's not enough to depend on him. Okay? No preacher knows everything. Okay? <clears throat> Seeking whom he may devour. How, how does he seek? I, I get this picture of him walking around roaring and seeing which ones jump. <laughs> Come through, the, come through this church. Try everybody out. Roar. And there'll be seasons where we'll hear his roar in people's lives and see if, they, see if they're going to jump. See if I can make them move. See if I can find an inroad. Because you have been made peace. And if that storm cannot rock you on the inside, it has no power. It has no power in your life. Amen. 
that is part of mortification and that's part of following him is allowing him to be Lord even in the small things, even in the little things. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Everybody say new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What are some of these areas? Well, let's take a look at two. Let's go to, actually, just stay right there. We'll just keep reading, okay? Look at this. Verse 18, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, what, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Verse 21. How has he made things new? For he hath made him, him who? Jesus. Hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made, everybody say made, the righteousness of God in him. If you've been born again, you have been created in his image. It's, it's not a works thing. It's not a, and I, I believe that's going to hit somebody, it's not a works to get better thing. It's I'm made brand new. I am born again right now. And if you bow the knee, it's not about what you can do to be righteous. That's not what church is, even though many churches do that. Church is about you have been created. Like a new baby being born that day. That baby has not done anything wrong. That baby is perfect. And that baby is innocent. And the day you get born again, God has made you brand new. And if you will allow who he has made you to be to continue to confront every area of your old life, Not only will you be made new, but everything on the inside, every habit, every behavior will be changed into something that is brand new. Everything will be transformed into something new. Everybody say new. I want to touch on these questions real quick before we go. And if you were here, I think it was December 30th, we went over these. um, And you can listen to these questions again. 
on that webs on the website. It's there, December 30th. But I would just want to ask these questions again because I really believe that God is wanting to confront things in our life, those little air bubbles, to work them out because God has big things planned for you and for me. Amen. Gideon was found hiding in fear, stealing a couple handfuls of wheat. And God used him. And he, you know what God called him? He says, Hail, mighty man of valor. He calls those things that be not as though they were. And I have often looked to the flesh and my own ability and says, Where is the answer coming from? The answer is not coming from circumstances, the answer is coming from the inside out. The answer is coming from change and allowing him to be Lord in the little things. And if you let him be Lord in the little things, those are the stepping blocks, the stepping stones to the bigger things. Amen. We keep wanting his lordship to look like something on the outside, but it starts on the inside. <coughs> I'm going to touch on these last three because this is what the message has been about today. One of the questions we asked December 30th was, what was the biggest change in your life last year, 2018? What was the biggest change? And my what way I mean that question is not just what happened to you, you know. Maybe the tornado was the biggest change, okay? Now, that can be part of your answer, but really the answer to that question is, what was the biggest God-ordained change in your life? In other words, God told me to change this in my life, and this changed, okay? Whatever that may be. What was the biggest change last year? <clears throat> and, and maybe, maybe your mind goes blank. That's okay. But what we don't want is to be unintentional with our walk with the Lord. And questions have a way of probing our hearts for answers, Questions have a way of being a mirror to our life. And God will use questions to ask you how you can change. Okay? So what was the biggest God-ordained change in your life last year? And big doesn't mean big like, you know, I went to Cambodia. <laughs> you know, maybe it was a habit. That could be a big change. Amen? The next question now, you know me, I don't really preach New Year's resolutions, but I believe these have the power, and you can ask them at any point in your year, okay? It doesn't matter. But they have the power for God to work change in your personal life. I really do believe that if you will run with these, and that's why we've mentioned them. This will be the third time now, okay? What five things would you like to see take place in your life next year? What five things? Would you like to see take place in your life next year? What are some of the challenges that you're facing? What are some of the habits that you're facing? What are, you know, if you're in prayer and you're spending time with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is already lighting things for you, okay? And, and I didn't wait until January to confront him, but th the things he was lighting to me again in September, September, October for me, he was highlighting sugar, which I've told you about, Okay. <laughs> Everybody will come up here and give theirs next week. <laughs> uh, he highlighted to me media, too much media. I'm just going to talk about it again. I love it. I, I really love the accountability in Apple's new phone. 
because every, and it's every Sunday too. I think that's a God thing. <laughs> every Sunday I'll sit in my office and I'll get a report. This is how much you've spent on your phone this week. And the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, I can't believe that's true. It's a little mirror. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever you saw. <laughs> so media was one of the big things, okay, for me. And then the other things I'll leave to myself. <laughs> they're, not, they're not big bad things, but you get the idea. I don't want to give you ideas. I want the Holy Ghost to give you ideas, right? So what are the big five things that the Holy Ghost wants you to change in your life? Okay. And be intentional with those things. Write each one of those down. Write them down. And then purpose to seek the Lord on how do me and you, me and the Holy Ghost, because you're supposed to co-labor together with him, right? How do you and I, Holy Ghost, work this change in my life? And maybe it'll go exactly like you think, and maybe it won't. Sometimes change is hard. <laughs> Anybody ever found change to be hard? <laughs> you, you, just because you ran in track doesn't mean you still can run today. <laughs> sometimes change is hard, and sometimes you, you make mistakes, but you're stretching and you're pushing and you're, and you're challenging the status quo in your life, and that is the beginning. Amen? Don't beat yourself up over these things if you don't automatically flip a switch and change. But take time to reflect and be honest about where you're at in things. I, I guarantee you, if you would have asked me, now I, I use my phone for work and stuff like that, but if you would have asked me, you spend this much time on your phone every day, I would have said no, not a chance. Because I didn't know and I was deceiving my own self. And we can do that with elements in our walk with God. Oh, I pray this much every day. Are you sure? When was the last time you read your Bible? Was it that chapter at Christmas when you read the Christmas? I'm, you know, I'm no condemnation, but let's be honest, okay? If you make a plan, it's a Holy Ghost plan to address some of these areas, these little foxes that will spoil the vine. And you'll be stronger. Everybody say stronger. You'll be more who you're supposed to be. You'll be the way God created you. And, and what you're really, what's really happening, because you're letting God set those goals, what's really happening is you're allowing him to be Lord over areas you've not allowed him to be Lord before. And some of the things he's asking to be Lord over, I, I'm like, oh. <laughs> and it's a fight. It's a fight. Well, it's either going to be his will or your will, and you've got to make that choice. You have that choice. And Jesus, everybody say Jesus. Jesus had to wrestle with his will, did he not? You know he did. You absolutely know he did. He had to fight it. He had to push it. Why do you think he also, he wasn't just God floating around here on this earth. God floating around on this earth doesn't need to fast 40 days. What was he fasting 40 days for? There were some weaknesses he didn't want manifesting. Because he had the same flesh you and I do. And that's a choice. Everybody say choice. It's not just about being. It's about choosing too. Yeah, you're made in the image of God. Now choose to let him be Lord. Walk in it. Kick those things out. Of, you know, and everything he has made you to be, he has made you righteous. We didn't get to him today, but he has made you rich. Do you know that? You are made rich. You were poor, but now you're rich. 
And I don't just mean you get to accumulate wealth for your flesh, but he's changed my thinking. He's, you know, when I used to go around saying, well, I don't have that much. I can't say that anymore. I can't say that because I'm his son and he's made everything. And guess what? I'm heir. So I get to walk around and say, well, I'm heir to everything. I'm sorry. That's just who God made me to be. <laughs> oh, I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. You know, that's who he made me to be. I am heir. Everything Christ has is mine. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> that's who he's made you to be. And let that change your thinking. Let that, let that take over every room of your house and let Jesus be Lord over every room. Every tiny detail. Let him be Lord. Let him be Lord because in his lordship is freedom. In his lordship is strength. In his lordship is everything you're looking for, love and joy and peace, and it's manifested truth. Don't let these things stay dusty pages of hypothetical thinking. Don't let these things be, well, I know I made the righteousness of God. Do you know you can manifest the righteousness of God? You don't have to say, I'm sorry every day for sinning. You can walk free from sin. It's an amazing thing. You can manifest the truth, Paul says. You are called not only to be made these things hypothetically, theologically, up in the air. Right here on earth, I'm free from sin. Right here on earth, I am his heir. Right here on earth, I am the love of God made manifest on this earth. Because he made me that. Amen. And be purposeful with those things. Don't let those little foxes spoil the vine. <coughs> I had the... Uh, well, I'll end with this, and it's just kind of a warning. But when one tiny little thing, it just takes something little to be out of alignment, and it can bring problems everywhere. You know, Jesus said, if, you, if your hand offends, effect, uh, offends you, you cut it off, right? If your eye offends you, pluck it out. And he wasn't just talking about physical. He was talking <laughs> He was talking about don't let little things rule your life and turn into big things. Don't let them drag you into failure. Because if you let something small, something small, get in the way of something big, you don't want <laughs> to get up to heaven and have the Lord say, I couldn't promote you in due time because of this tiny little thing that was going to destroy you. You don't want that. Amen. Amen. Part of your walk is not just about being who he's called you to be. It's being diligent as well. Everybody say diligent. All right. So I strongly encourage you each to write the answers to those questions. Okay. What was the biggest change in your life last year? What are the five things that God wants you to work on this next year? And then make a plan with the Holy Ghost. How do we change these things? Write them down. Be intentional about them. Don't let the fire die on those things because it's God's work in your life. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, let's pray and we'll be dismissed.
Father, I'm so grateful for who you've made us to be. There was nothing that you left undone in the work of Christ. You've, you've made us your children. You've put every strand of spiritual DNA that Jesus had in us. You gave us every potential, every head start. You didn't birth anything inferior. You didn't birth anything subpar. We're created in your image. And more than that, we know we've been given the Holy Ghost as a tutor, as a guide, as a, as a divine parent to grow us up, train us up, and pray out the will of God for our lives. Father, you've given us every advantage, every tool. We have your word, we have your Holy Spirit, and we have new life. We will do our part to walk in it, to be intentional, to be diligent, and make the choices necessary to make you Lord, not just in theory, not just a nice cliche saying, but to really make you Lord over every single room in our house. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen.